J Files on Double J. Elliot Smith is an artist who invites intimacy. The delicate delivery of his intensely personal songs, in turn, makes you feel like you're not alone. He's a rite of passage musician for many. He's soundtracked countless moments of young love, heartbreak, connection and loneliness all around the world. And while he is so essential to so many, it can be bittersweet listening to his music. Not only are they some of the best examples of modern songwriting, they're also a reminder of his tragic passing, a gifted artist leaving us too soon. But everybody's scared of this place and staying away. Your little house on memory lane. I'm Gemma Pike. This is the J Files podcast, and I have an absolute treasure to share with you today. In the Double J archives, we have just one Elliot Smith interview, a chat he had with Richard Kingsmill in 1999 when he toured Australia for the first time. It really is quite special. Something else that's pretty special is the roll call of Australian artists who eagerly put up their hand to share their love for Elliot Smith's music and how his unique songwriting style influenced them. Before we get into that, though, I just want to say that there are parts of this story which are heavy. So I want to be upfront in saying that this episode comes with a content warning. If this brings up any issues for you, the number for Lifeline is 13 11 14. The noise is coming out, and if it's not out now, then tomorrow, tomorrow, they took your life apart, and called you failures or they were wrong, they were wrong, till tomorrow. Elliot Smith was an accomplished multi-instrumentalist. On his fourth album, EXO, he's credited for guitar, vocals, piano, bass guitar, drums, organ, mandolin, electric piano, melodica, percussion, string and horn arrangements, production and recording. He told Richard Kingsmill in 1999 that he learned to play piano and wrote his first songs from an early age. Um, I made up some little instrumental songs that were didn't work out very well when I was like 12 or 13. Why didn't they work out? Um, I don't know, just because they weren't any good, you know? <laughs> you were just experimenting? Yeah. And this was on a guitar straight away? Um, some of them were. More of them were on piano at the time because I took lessons for a year when I was a kid. On the piano? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you get any good at the piano? Can you play piano quite well? Well, I can play... At the time, I could play some things. I could play Rachmaninoff at the time, but I can't now. Not really. Did you find the guitar more interesting? I don't know. I found it louder. <laughs> you know? I was, I was really into, like, the Beatles and... You know, the clash and stuff like that. So piano wasn't really... I mean, I guess the Beatles used it a lot, but, you know, I wanted to play loud, you know, guitar. Beatle in the hay. Beatle in the hay. 
Make note of that reference to the Beatles because you'll hear a few other people draw that link too. You also heard Elliot humbly mentioning to Richard that he could play a little bit of Rachmaninoff on the piano when he was a kid, but he couldn't play much as an adult. Well, Ben Folds had a similar experience with the secretive songwriter when they were on tour together. Touring with Elliot Smith uh, was one of the highlights of my career. Uh, I was touring with Elliot and Beck for a while, and... um, once I walked in backstage and I heard someone playing Rachmaninoff in one of the practice rooms on the piano, and I was like, wow, someone around here plays Rachmaninoff. So I opened the door to see who it was, and Elliot was sitting at the piano, but he, he'd got his hands down. He wasn't moving. He was just sitting at the piano. I'm like, man, was that you playing Rachmaninoff? He's like, no. Seriously, because there's one piano and there's just you, and I just heard Rachmaninoff coming out of here. I, I, I think that's great. And he's like, no, that wasn't me. So that was that. And then years later, after he died, I, I was looking through YouTube, just kind of having an Elliott Smith Film Festival moment. And uh, there's this whole thing of him playing that Rachmaninoff piece <laughs> on the piano. I felt like I'd been punked over a decade. Like it was the punchline didn't happen until 10 years after the man was gone. Uh, I think he was a brilliant songwriter. And uh, I think the song should have been a hit, but uh, you know, I'm not the boss of everyone. So uh, this song's uh, called Say Yes, an unusual, happy sounding song from Elliot. Cricket spin can't come to rest. I'm damaged bad at best. She'll decide what she wants. the last to know no one says until it shows see how it is they want you or they don't say yeah I'm in love with the world through the eyes of a girl who's still around the morning This was one of Ben Fold's favourite Elliot Smith songs. Say Yes was released on his third album, Either Or, in 1997. For a lot of Australian fans, Elliot Smith's fourth album, EXO, was when they first discovered his music, especially the first single, Waltz Number no. 2. Hearing this song on the radio that proved to be a pivotal moment for Australian singer-songwriter Josh Pike. Uh, Elliot Smith had a huge impact on me musically. Uh, I think it was 1998 and I was working at a car wash trying to figure out what to do with my life and with music in general and suddenly on a lunch break I heard the song on Triple J and it was Waltz Number 2 and uh, all these melodies and production sensibilities hit me with a, a, like a sense of nostalgia and I realised that all these old 60s and 70s songwriters from Beach Boys and the Beatles that I'd grown up on suddenly still had a place in music with um, Elliot Smith's melodies and production and guitar lines. Um, and it sort of made me, it was like a slap in the face. I decided that I wanted to make that kind of music and it, it changed things for me. It reintroduced me to a style of songwriting that I'd sort of felt was not relevant to me 
Um, and Elliot Smith made that real tradition of songwriting uh, and storytelling. He made it relevant to people my age at the time and it still felt rebellious and angsty. And for me, I think that's the biggest legacy. It, it reintroduced a whole generation of people back to the songwriter tradition. Josh Pike wasn't the only Aussie muso to get hooked on Elliot Smith after hearing his music on Triple J. Hi there, this is Kevin Mitchell of the Bob Evans and the Jebediah. Um, I'm a yeah huge Elliot Smith fan. I first heard his music in my car listening to the radio on Triple J, actually. Unfortunately, um, there's not a huge number of records of his to listen to, but... um. I think the music that he made is really enduring. I can hear his influence on my very first Bob Evans record and I can hear his influence on the most recent one I made 15 years later. You've been on my mind Oh, you've been on my mind He kind of channeled the Beatles, I guess, in a, in a, in a way, in a similar way to maybe how Crowded House did, but with very different results. Elliot's music was incredibly raw and intimate and highly emotional and pained. had a lot of production techniques that really stood out. All his vocals were always double-tracked and loud in the mix, and he sung high a lot of the time and really quietly a lot of the time. And he had a way with a seventh chord and a minor chord, you know, which I, I think probably is a bit of a Beatles thing. But, yeah, he just had a beautiful sensibility when it came to songwriting. His finger-picking too, actually. He was an incredible finger-picking guitarist. So just a wonderful musician... Had so much to offer, so sad the way that it ended, but the music that he's left behind, obviously, you know, I, I think it'll be around forever. Again, with the Beatles comparisons. Kevin also mentioned Elliot Smith's production techniques, which is something Sam Cromack from Ballpark Music also admires. He's undoubtedly one of my favourite artists of all time. Uh, I think he's basically the person who has done one of the best jobs of what is pretty much just acoustic music. Um, That's a genre I feel like I mostly steer away from, you know, just one person and an acoustic guitar. It can get pretty bland pretty quick, but he's someone who's just able to uh, weave such amazing melodies into his songs. Uh, It feels like, you know, after one listen, I know every song straight away. He can put so much feeling in with his voice. And I've come to realize too that I really, really... 
uh, adore his production. His uh, double track vocals in nearly every single song has been a huge influence on me. And some of his full band arrangements, especially on albums like Either Or, are so moody. Um, they managed to walk that fine line between lo-fi and hi-fi, I guess. Um, it's just amazing. Yeah, he's an artist I go back to over and over again. And yeah, if you're listening to this and you haven't already gotten into Elliot Smith, then you're about to go on an amazing journey. Uh, he's an amazing artist. Yeah, I'll always cherish his music. Someone's always coming around here Trailing some new kill Says I've seen your picture on a hundred dollar bill What's a game of chance to hear him as one Real skill, so glad to meet you Elliot Smith's music is deeply emotive and as Sam mentioned there, you can hear one of his songs for the very first time and feel like you've known it forever. His music acts almost like a memory stamp for important life moments and hearing a favourite track can transport you right back to a certain time and place. This rings true for singer-songwriter Katie Steele. Elliot Smith uh, is a really important artist to me for many reasons, but what comes immediately to my mind is nostalgia. The record XO was a record that my brother Luke and I used to listen to a lot. Uh, It was around the time, I think I was around 15, because the record came out in 1998. I was uh, pretty young, still in high school, and we used to go around to a bunch of op shops like whenever we had a spare minute we would be op shopping and we had quite a selection of like records from that time that we used to just kind of play over and over and obsess about music I wasn't yet playing or writing music at that point um, and Luke had the Sleepy Jackson project and yeah it was a really really crazy time in my life um, so every time I listen to uh, Waltz number two I think it's called it um, takes me back to that time in my life which was really really special never gonna know you now but I'm gonna love you I think he's just one of the best songwriters ever, really. His songs are way too complicated for me to play. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I'm really sad that he's not around anymore. Um, but that song takes me somewhere else every single time.
James O'Brien, who performs as Darling James, first discovered Elliot Smith in 1997 after he released Either Or, but it wasn't until a few years later that the album really grabbed his attention. It was my final year of high school, and although the album was ubiquitous, much like OK Computer or Urban Hymns or Portishead's self-titled album, it didn't really kind of land for me until... A few years later in the early 2000s when I started listening to Death Cab for Cutie and they name-checked Elliot Smith and um, I went back and investigated him. When I went back and, and listened, I was taken aback. find it very uneasy. A lot of the themes in there feel a lot more real, with a little bit more life experience under the belt. A little bit too real, to be honest. There's something strangely familiar about his music, even when you first hear it, even when I first heard it, but also incredibly kind of alien. He sounds like he's from another world, but he's using musical ideas that um, really have their roots in the 60s. Lots of classic chords, the double-tracked vocal. And what this does, I think, is it frames this deep melancholy in a musical landscape that's sometimes actually strangely bright and almost uplifting. It seems, in retrospect, to make the ideas in the music all the more brutal. But that signature intimacy that he did so well is often mimicked um, to this day and there's a huge swathe of my peers um, that are hugely influenced by his songwriting style. something about hearing him right in your ear um, that used to be incredibly comforting maybe in 2002 or 1998 and um, now I find it you know a little bit unsettling it would be comforting if I could say that I felt like musicians and creative people were less likely to suffer from the kinds of mental health and substance abuse issues that um, he was dealing with. But if anything, it seems to be worse. And uh, I think that's a real shame. Sweet
One of the great things about the J Files podcast is that we get to trawl through the Double J archives, finding interviews and chats from across the years. Sadly, it's when someone has passed that these become all the more impactful. Right now, I'd like to play you more of that conversation that Richard Kingsmill had with Elliot in 1999. He was in the country, touring the album EXO, and Kingsmill asked about what instruments Elliot had played on the release, and particularly, when he played drums on the record. Yeah, there's two songs where Beck's drummer, now he's R.E.M.'s drummer, Joey Warnaker played drums on two songs, and the rest are me trying to play the drums, <laughs> which is really fun. I mean, I'm not really a drummer. I couldn't really play in somebody's band, but I can play, like, you know, good enough to play on my own songs or whatever. But, I don't know, I played all that stuff that's on there. Guitar, piano. Mm-hmm. Bass. Bass. Yeah, because... It's whatever was around, you know. I used to record at home or other people's houses... And all that was around was like an acoustic guitar. But nowadays there's more things around, so I usually just try everything. Your records in the past have been quite sparse, so it wasn't a deliberate attempt to take it away from that. It was just because you had more opportunities. Yeah, that was just what was available, you know. I mean, I don't like bigger sounding things better than smaller sounding things, or vice versa. There's just... Lots of ways things can sound, and it's fun to try. Should definitely try everything, you know. Yeah. Did you enjoy the drums? I know a lot of people oh, who yeah. play guitars. Once they get behind the drum kit, whether it's on stage or in the studio, they love it. It's great. You get to hit things, you know. It's awesome. <laughs> and take out some of the uh, the feelings that you would have expressed into words and do it more primally. Maybe it's just it's very satisfying to. You know, hit something with a stick and make a really loud racket, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what a drummer does. It's not hurting anybody. And, you know, it's it's fun. Yeah, and especially when it fits into the song nicely, it sort of, you know, all adds up, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Lots of people have been raving about the album. Uh, Lots of people have included your album in their sort of top ten lists for 98, this latest one. Is there anything about this new album of yours, because it's your fourth solo album, anything about this one which makes it more special to you than your other releases so far? Um, just that it's not as old as the other ones yet. <laughs> yeah, but at this point, it's pretty old to me too. I mean, I'm working on the next one, but I don't, I don't know. I don't really think about it much, you know? It's kind of done. So That's the way artists always work they finish it and then even before it's released it's old for them in some respects isn't it yeah it just takes so long for records to come out you know because especially um on like a major label you know it can be just takes so long for them to set up whatever so their you know sort of plan is about <laughs> how they're gonna whatever they're gonna do you know the game plan game plan where you fit into everything and how can we uh how can we get elliot smith across to as many people as possible that sort of thing thankfully i don't i don't have any idea where i fit into everything but apparently some people might but yeah it just takes so long for things to come out are you even uh more confused these days as to where you fit into the whole music scene given uh the fact that you Uh, had a huge exposure last year with the academy awards definitely 
yeah, it's really weird. You know? I mean, uh, but the less I think about it, the happier I am, you yeah. know? Because I don't really, I don't really care where I fit into anything or if there's anywhere, anything to fit into. It's just, I like music, you know? That's, that's the thing. It's very uncomplicated. Elliot Smith might not have known or cared where he fit into the music scheme of things, but even to this day, he's labelled as a folk singer. Kingsmill put this to Elliot, and it didn't sit too well with him because he found it too restrictive. It kind of picks you up from wherever you are and drops you off in this in this little ghetto of rampant sentimentality, you know, that's associated with, like, certain kinds of singer-songwriters. It's like, I don't live here, I don't want to be here, you know? I don't, like... Um, I'm not coming from that Simon and Garfunkel place. I'm coming more from, like, uh, Shane McGowan kind of place, for example, or, like, a certain, like, in energy that's in punk... Or pop. Uh, you can, within any tag in music, um, you can sort of have a spread of artists and different styles and different moods, but uh, still the folk one just doesn't, doesn't sit well with you. Well, none of them sit well with anybody is the truth of it. Nobody likes whatever their little, whatever their little cell is, you know? I mean, unless they're trying to make money out of it. No, I mean, the problem is not... The problem is that there are those categories and really they're just kind of shorthand ways of saying nothing about people. Or saying an easy thing about someone which doesn't add up to much in the, yeah, in the long a, run. An empty description. Yeah. Uh, if, um, if you could... Uh, well, I'm not going to even ask you or attempt to ask you what sort of tag you would put on who you are or how you'd like to be seen, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> I can't think of one. You can't think of one? You haven't, mm. you haven't seen anything that's been written about you of late that you thought, yeah, maybe that one I can live with. I don't really read things that are written about me. I already, I already know about me. I'd rather read about, about other people. Won't you let me walk you home from school? Won't you let me meet you at the it's often a testament to an artist's songwriting when their music is used in film and TV to pinpoint those pivotal moments in a character's life or a crucial moment in the story. Elliot Smith was certainly one of those artists. His music has been used in films like The Royal Tenenbaums and American Beauty and TV shows like The O.C., Gossip Girl and Mr. Robot. And if you've ever seen the 1997 film Goodwill Hunting... Elliot Smith lent six songs to the soundtrack, including the song Miss Misery, which he wrote especially for the film. It was so well received, it scored him an Oscar nomination for Best Original Song. One of the most vivid visual recollections for fans of Elliot is his performance at the 70th Academy Awards. Now, producers of the show had basically said that his song Miss Misery was going to be performed, whether Elliot did it or not. So... 
To avoid anyone else's interpretation of the song, there he was, standing on the stage under a single spotlight in a boxy white suit, delivering a two and a bit minute performance that's so surreal and so powerful and unlike those big showy productions, it's almost worthy of an Oscar itself. It was nearly a year after the performance when he toured Australia, so Richard asked if Elliot regretted appearing at the awards. No, no, no. I mean, it was um, it was a curious situation. It was really weird, and it was kind of a kick in its way. wouldn't want to do it again, and I didn't enjoy being, like, the Oscar guy and, or having, like, you know, to talk about that over and over and over, but... It would have given you an insight into a world or a part of the entertainment uh, world that uh, very few performers who are in your field would have gotten. Well, it was totally bizarre that someone like me was on that show. You know, it I, was, I knew it, that. It was quite surreal watching it. It must have been even more surreal actually being you. It was very strange because it wasn't, it wasn't difficult. I didn't feel nervous, but... Um, it's just like a slow motion, you know? And the the people I expected to be really kind of weird and self-important weren't, you know? So it was kind of strange. What, people like Celine Dion who actually yeah, like came up to you? Yeah, like really personable and really sweet, you know? I mean, her music, that's not my thing, but she's really nice, you know? Yeah, what'd she say to you? She said, are you, are you nervous? Yeah, and I wasn't, but I said I was so she could say what she was going to say, you know? Yeah. I might have been a little bit, but... And she was like, well, it's good to be nervous, you know? It'll help you sing better. Get some adrenaline going. I'll be nervous, too. But don't worry, because it's a beautiful song, and I'm going to be listening, and everyone's going to be listening, and all this. Yeah. Wow. Like you say, you do. You know, I only wrote that one song for the movie and the others were already out on other records and Miramax was, they'd like fly me out to LA every week or so to, in case I had something to say about how they were using my songs. But I never did because Gus was in charge and he was it seemed fine to me yeah Gus Van, Gus Van Zandt yeah so I'd just kind of like show up and for an hour and then split yeah and you were happy with the process and the way that your music was being used yeah yeah they weren't like cutting my songs apart and all that stuff so Slowing I mean, it was them. Gus's yeah. movie I'm not gonna sit there and be like hey don't yeah. You know? I think the song would really suit better if it was if like it was, 10 seconds you know, later. It started right at the beginning before the picture even started. <laughs> Very soon you'll hear from a couple of Elliot Smith fans about why they love his music. But a lot of people got in touch this week to say they remember the moment when they found out that Elliot had passed away. 
And just another gentle reminder that if this brings up any issues for you, the number for Lifeline is 13 11 14. This is a moment that will be forever imprinted on the hearts and minds of many Elliott Smith fans. This is the Triple J News Announcement from October 21st, 2003. American singer and songwriter Elliot Smith has been found dead at the age of 34. Police say he was found by his girlfriend in his Los Angeles home with a stab wound in his chest. But David Campbell from the LA County Coroner's Office says the body still hasn't been officially identified. The decedent was reported to be the victim of a possible suicide by stab wound to the chest. Our investigator has attempted to contact uh, his publicist and or manager in an attempt to get information that will lead us to the next again. Elliot Smith released four solo albums. One of his songs, Miss Misery, earned him an Oscar nomination when it was included in the 1998 film Goodwill Hunting. He was recording another LP from a basement on the hill at the time of his death. Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who'll take you out in the open door This is not my life just a fond farewell to a friend It's not what I'm like It's just a fond farewell to a friend As Kevin Mitchell said a little earlier, he might be gone, but his music will live on forever. Fond farewell to a friend I'm Gemma Pike. This is the J-Files podcast. I love sharing these incredible moments from the archives with you each week. And I love it when you get in touch and share why you love the artists we feature each week. If you want to be part of the J-Files podcast, hit me up on the Double J Facebook page. Hi, this is Kerry from Melbourne. I um, have loved Elliot Smith since I was in my mid-20s, um, first Teddy Mon Triple J. His music is just stunning. His vocals are amazing. I think probably I first heard him when I had my first serious boyfriend, so it brings back lots of awesome memories from my 20s. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just I love him. <laughs> Hey, this is Steph from Stanhope in Victoria. Elliot Smith was one of my favourites. The music was so catchy but so soft and mellow and I fell in love with the EXO album. You know, I put him put the CD in my car and I left it in there for about six months just listening to the same album. I still can just listen to his music over and over. It's just awesome. I don't know why. It just really gets me in my heart.
The J Files. <laughs>